Hi, everyone. Susie O here. Just want to let all of you know that the certificates of deposit at Alliant Credit Union are now at, for a six-month CD, 5%, a 12- to 17-month CD, 5.15%, and an 18- to 23-month CD, 4.90%. And for those amounts of $75,000 or more, just add on 0.5% to those rates. Go to myalliant.com and check it out. All right, Susie, KT, are you ready for today's podcast? Yeah, Robert, of course we're ready. Because we are unstoppable. Yeah. Yeah, baby. <laughs> I'm unstoppable, I'm a buzzer with no brakes, I'm invincible, yeah, I would never single game, mine's so powerful, I don't need batteries to play, I'm so confident, yeah, I'm unstoppable today. September 28th. Are you sure that's the right date, KG? It is. All it's right. the end of September. 28th. Remember we sang See You in September. Now we're going to say So Long September. So Long <laughs> All right, stop, September. stop, 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 stop. <laughs> September 28, 2023. Welcome, everybody, to the Women in Money podcast. And everyone smart enough to listen. This is the... Ask Susie and KT anything edition. And if you want, you can send in a question to ask Susie, S U Z E podcast at gmail.com. And if KT chooses it, we will answer it on this podcast. All right, girlfriend. So, the first, I don't really have a question. I have a big thank you. This is from Lindsay Newton. And I want everyone to know that Lindsay Newton stumbled upon Susie's podcast and said, it is exactly what I've been looking for, for finance and life guidance. She added life guidance. Yeah. What do you think about that? Please share with me the hyperlink so I can get my documents started. Thank you so much for your wisdom. So Lindsay, obviously Susie is referring to the must-have documents. And I think that she's so excited to get her house in order. All you and have everyone to do should. is go to musthavedocs.com and you can get them there. Okay. Okay. Next question is a nice, simple one. Todd, thank you so much. I picked you right away. Susie, can you have more than one trust? Yes. <laughs> There's your answer. <laughs> So I'm not exactly sure why you are asking that question. Is it, do you need more than one revocable trust? Chances are no, but you can have a revocable trust. You can have an irrevocable trust. You can have a personal residence trust. You can have so many trusts, a special needs trust, whatever, a life insurance trust. So yes, you can have more than okay. one trust. All right. I only have one, Todd, and it does everything I need. So. <laughs> all right. So next is from Naomi. Hi, Susie. I have all the proper documents done by a lawyer. What did you do? Pick all trust well, questions? I, quite a few, actually. I kind of grouped them together, the ones that are common. But, but listen to hers. She said, by a lawyer that my company paid for. We do not have to pay for anything. Good. My question to you 
is that we have bank accounts, life insurance policy, 401k, that ask for beneficiary information. So do we put each other's names or do we put it in a trust because we have the paperwork done? How does it go? So now now that the lawyer that her company paid for who provided all of her documents She's wondering, what do you do with them? <laughs> no, it's not, that's that, not exactly what she's wondering, KT. She's wondering who should be the beneficiary of many of these accounts. The 401k, the beneficiary, if you are married, should always be your spouse. So the primary beneficiary in a retirement account whether it's a 401k, a 403b, a TSP, an IRA, a SEP IRA, or a Roth version of any of those should always be your spouse. The contingent beneficiary should be the trust. As far as a bank account and things like that, it can be the trust. That's not a big deal. All right. All right. Next question from Teresa. Comments. Hi, Susie. Thank you for just being you and sharing your wisdom that has helped me and my family. Yes, see what she said, KT? Thanks for just being me. Mm-hmm. What's wrong with that? Do you ever wish I wasn't just me? No. Or well, just making Sometimes. sure. Sometimes. <laughs> I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> Recently, my job announced they're now offering a Roth 401k as another option with our current 401k. Yearly max is the same. Company match the same. Yes, Susie, I am maxing the match. So grateful to you for that. I want to understand the difference and what should I do? I am not sure if I can or should contribute to both or move to just one. I am 60, so retirement for me may be five to seven years, and I'm now going through a divorce. Mm -hmm. Pray you can give me some advice. The first bit of advice that I could give you is really finalize that divorce as soon as possible, or make sure that everything that you are accumulating stops going towards a joint amount until you are actually divorced, so that you don't have to continue to save money knowing that half of it may go to your ex-spouse. And, and check the beneficiary. Yeah, but that's number one. But number two, I don't care what age you are. I don't care what your situation happens to be. In my opinion, there is not one age, one tax bracket, one situation that would make me ever, ever, ever change my mind from saying, if you are offered a Roth retirement account and you are also offered a traditional retirement account, Forget any pre-tax retirement account that you have and only put everything you have into a Roth. Next question, Katie. So next question is from Carol. She said, hi, Susie. I am my mother's live-in caregiver. She's 93 and she has dementia. She has a reverse mortgage on her home. Uh, I'm told if anything happens to her, I have to vacate the premise. Yeah. Can you please tell me what my options are? I've been here caring for my mother for over 20 years because she's always been disabled to some degree. Thank you so very much, Carol. Yeah, so what's funny, everybody, although this isn't funny, is that 
you may or may not know, I go through all the emails. I never know which one KT is going to choose, but I go through them. And when I see an email like this, I personally answer it. And KT, I personally answered Carol. So what did you tell her? And here's what I told her is that when you have a reverse mortgage, and for those of you who don't know, a reverse mortgage is usually for people who own their homes outright, they're 62 years of age or older, and a company pays you to stay in the house. It's the reverse of a mortgage when you're paying a company to buy the house outright. So now you're getting a specific sum of money every single month for the rest of your life. And they charge you a specific interest rate for that. It's based on your life expectancy, the interest rates at the time. Sometimes people just get one big lump sum and that's that. But over the years, as they keep giving you money or if they gave you a large lump sum and that money is growing and growing and growing, Sometimes you could end up with them giving you more money than the house is even worth if you live long enough. But regardless, once the person who took out the reverse mortgage dies, in most circumstances, there are two possibilities. You either have to pay the reverse mortgage company back the amount of the appraised value of the home or the house is almost immediately sold, and that's how they get their money back. Either way, I have a feeling, and this is what I told Carol, Carol, you're most likely needing to make arrangements right now. What are you going to do when mama passes away? Because chances are you're going to have to leave and vacate the house, and they will sell the house almost immediately. So you have to make plans for that. And Carol wrote me back and said she doesn't know what she's going to do. She's a little bit still confused. She loves so much that I wrote her. But in my own mind, KT, want to know what I was thinking? Mm. When somebody has spent 20 years or more of their lives taking care of their mother, something will happen and everything will be just fine for Carol. I hope so, Carol. We'll say prayers for you and your mommy. Yeah. All right. Next question. Okay. Next question. This is from Peggy Susie. I am 60. I have a Roth IRA. Wait, wait. I have to say one more thing. All right. Before you go on, this is a lesson to many of you, though, the Carol example as to why you have to be very, very careful if you are taking out a reverse mortgage, especially if you have somebody who lives in that house. Mm -hmm. Maybe they live in that house, a child as a caretaker or whatever, because chances are upon your death, they're going to lose where they live at the same time they lost you. So please be very careful, everybody. I do not like reverse mortgages. I do not like reverse mortgages. I just don't like them. All right. Hi, Susie. This is from Peggy. I am 60. I have a Roth IRA at TD Ameritrade. I miss TD Ameritrade. TD Ameritrade we had so much fun with. Yeah. I've Actually, the truth is, Peggy, you now have a Roth IRA at Charles Schwab. Okay. Just so you so, know. So let, right. me, let me finish here. I've had it for many years. 
you probably were responsible for that, Susie. Can I take $100,000 out to invest in a three-year fixed annuity, then put it back in, keeping its Roth status? That's the question. That's your quizzy. Oh, Susie, I have no idea. I think the answer is no. Ding, 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 ding. Yeah, Your first ding, 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 no. ding, ding. So, Doesn't sound right. So here's the question back at you, Peggy. Why would you even want to do that? If there's a three-year fixed annuity that you want to buy for some reason, and I can't imagine why, why not buy it within your Roth IRA? Obviously, the three-year fixed annuity must be giving you some extraordinary interest rate for three years. But please just be careful that that three-year fixed annuity matures in three years and you can get all your money back, especially if you did it within the Roth IRA and not where it's just fixed for three years. And then you have to go on and keep it because the surrender charge is for seven years. Please, the money that you have in the Roth, there is no way that an annuity could be paying you more than a you know, six-month or three-month treasury bill or something like that, or even a longer-term treasury note or maybe even a bond. So please don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Okay. Oh, look. She says, happy anniversary to you and Katie. I know. <laughs> happy anniversary, Susie. Again. Yeah, again and again and again. <laughs> And again. And again. Because we have three. So anyway, go on. Okay. This next question is from Raquel. I love this question. It says, hello, Susie and KT. I'm so glad I found y'all's podcast. And, and that's make, what she wrote. Yeah. No, that's what she wrote. She wrote y'all's podcast. So she, This is my Southern girl, Raquel. I love that. There is so much about money and finances that I don't know. And your show has refreshingly pointed me in the right direction. So my question is, my dad started a Gerber savings account uh, for my son about three years ago. Uh, Please give me your opinion. I can... Uh, oh, ready? Raquel, you can hear her You're opinion. making the great breakfast please, I ate just regurgitate. Give, oh, Susie, All please right. give me your opinion about the Gerber savings and can you suggest a better one if necessary? So there you go, Susie. Give Ra enlighten Raquel. Well, Raquel, <laughs> I think I already gave you my opinion. But here's the thing. I want you to not just take my opinion. And obviously, I think it is one of the worst things you could ever do. I think it is absolutely sad that they are profiting off of the fact of that there's this sweet little baby and the Gerber baby and how they advertise it. Go online. I don't even have to do this to know what you're going to find. Go online and find out what does everybody from nerd wallet to everybody think about the Gerber savings account, which really is like a life insurance policy and blah, 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 blah. It is absolutely ridiculous. Now it says, please give me your opinion about the Gerber savings account that I've done. And can you suggest a better one if necessary? I have to tell you, myalliant.com. You should go there. And for now, because it's going to be up sooner than later, if you have an ultimate opportunity savings account there, then you can open one up 
for your child. You put in $100 a month. After 12 months, they get another $100 plus currently the 3.10% interest. Who knows? They may change that soon and raise it. But even if they don't raise it, $100 a month, you get $100 at the end. That is still an extraordinary double-digit return on your money. After that, you can make a decision. Does it make sense to leave it there? Does it not? You're free to do anything you want. So I would go to myalliant.com. You'll see three choices there. Click the kids' savings account. And if you don't have one yet, open one up in your name. You put in $100 a month. You get $100 at the end. Both of you do it. And that would be so much better than this Gerber, whatever you want to call it. So they might make <laughs> stick good, to baby food. I was going to say they might stick to they, baby food and money stick to alliance. There you go. Okay. Next question is from Naomi. Good morning, Susie. May I ask what type of insurance you would recommend for a one and two year old? Also, my husband wants to buy life insurance for himself to protect us. What should we do? He is 58 years old. So you did group these. Look at your uh-huh, little thing. I did. So you have all right, two about kids. So this is a little bit controversial because I have a belief that you only buy insurance on somebody when in case that person were to die, there would be somebody who would suffer a financial loss. You're one and two year old you're not necessarily going to suffer a financial loss. Will you suffer an emotional loss beyond your wildest dreams? Mm -hmm. So even though it might just cost you pennies on the dollar, here is my thing about it. Over all the years I've been doing this, and people did buy insurance for their child, and their child happened to die. All of a sudden, they didn't want that money. They just hated that money. It was like, oh, I have money, but I don't have my child, and I don't even know why I did that. So there are people, whoever, however, who believe in it because it's so inexpensive that if you lose a child, you may need that money to just emotionally yourselves get by because you might not be able to work or whatever. I don't believe in it. However, if you're going to do it, the type of insurance needs to be term insurance, which is good for a specific period of time. And what should your husband do? The exact same thing. Get term insurance. In this situation, he probably should look for a 10-year level term because after those 10 years, if he continues to have insurance, it's going to be far too expensive. Where would I go to get it? My favorite place is selectquote.com. I get nothing for it. They don't even know that I recommend them, but they have been around forever and I still love them. All right. You know, KT, here's, I just want to make a comment on this one. Here they want to buy term insurance on their young child when really, why? But yet, The father, the husband is 58 years of age and they haven't even thought about buying term insurance yet on him when really 
they should have bought it on him years ago. We so, don't know how long they've been to, we don't know enough yeah, information, but, just, but at that age, mm -hmm. you would think that he may already have had insurance, but he could be a brand new dad at 58. But still, second marriage, yeah, anyway, the time to buy it, everybody, is when you are in your 20s and 30s, 40s. The older you get with term insurance, the more expensive it is. All right, KT. Okay, this one you need to translate for me. And I don't mean his name. This is from Banoush. Dear Susie and KT, I have Vustix, V-U-S-T-X, a long-term bond fund that is not doing well. I listened to your podcast today. If I understand correctly, you were encouraging us to buy long-term bond funds. As of 9-22-23, this fund shows a negative 5.7 year-to-date return. I'm not sure if it's a good idea to stay with this fund. Please advise. All right. So maybe this Sunday, I'll have to do a Susie School once again on the difference between individual bonds and bond funds. What I have been saying is that I would start to dip my toe in. Did I not say that? You did. Little <laughs> by little by little into longer term bonds. When interest rates go up, the value of bonds go down. When interest rates go down, the value of bonds go up. And it could take a while. So if you're looking at 30-year treasury bonds, for instance, individual ones, they have started to go up from 4.1% in yield to 4.3 to 4.5. The other day, they were at 4.6%. And which is why I've wanted you to go little by little. It is absolutely possible and probable that the 10-year treasury note will maybe go to 5%, which means the longer-term bonds most likely would also go to around 5%. So as they're going up in interest, the value of the bond is going down, which is why you see your long-term bond fund not doing that well. A year from now, two years from now, will it do so? Absolutely. However, if I were you and you own this bond fund outside of a retirement account, I would sell it now I would take the losses off my taxes and I would go very slowly but surely into longer term bonds, but also at the same time into short term treasury bills. So remember the dumbbell theory that I talked about the other day, where you take the money and little by little, you have money in three and six month treasury bills or certificates of deposits, whichever ones are paying you the most. And again, maybe some into a 10-year treasury note, little, just a little amount, and a 20-year or a 30-year treasury bond, but not everything at once. Because as interest rates go up, you'll keep going and going into them. And then once we think that you've hit the top, because we never know when something can change right away, then all of the money will be invested that way. But please don't be confused between long-term bond funds and long-term bonds. Big difference between the 
too. Do I'm, you have a preference? Are you kidding? I am not a fan of bond <laughs> funds on any level. However, but if you had to choose one, if, well, if you have to make a choice, which one? Oh my God, bonds, individual, individual, bonds. individual. However, a lot of times in these four hundred one k plans mm, and all, they don't have a choice. They, they don't. It's like right? a mixed. So bag. we've watched long term bond funds go all the way down when interest rates were going up. Now they're kind of stabilizing around here when interest rates eventually one day, I don't know when that will be, start to come down, they will go up in value again. All right. Looks like interest rates are going to stay put for a little, right? Higher for, for longer. Higher, higher for, for longer. longer. That's what Jay Paul said. All right. Okay. From Maria. Yikes. <laughs> That's why I picked this one, her comment. Yikes. Hi, KT and Susie. I have around 60% of rollover IRA and Fidelity Intermediate Bond Fund yeah. rest in stocks and T-bills. Is it okay to sell some of the bond fund to buy the long-term notes and bills you were talking about on Sunday's podcast? I'm happy, Susie, that people really listen and they take action. To be honest, the bond fund hasn't really made any money since January. Yeah. Just wondering if I need more diversification in bonds. Thank you so much for any advice. So, so there you go. If Another this, part to that <laughs> question you just answered. So Maria, if this is money that has you have designated to be invested in the fixed income portion of your entire portfolio then i rather see you any day be in individual bonds, bills, or notes than any type of bond fund. Again, just like I said a second ago, if you decide to come out of it truthfully and put the money in a money market account at Fidelity where you will be making 5% and then are around there, four and a half, five percent 5%, whatever they may be paying. And little by little, you diversify from three and six month, maybe some into a two-year, maybe some, like I said, into a 10-year note, some into a 20-year bond, some into a 30, but you keep putting that money in as interest rates change or go up then I think in the long run, you'll be happy. But listen, KT will tell you just yesterday morning, I was talking to the person who buys bonds for me and things like that. Mm -hmm. And the bonds that I bought, the 30-year bonds that I did buy, I'm down money on. But I didn't buy them to sell them yet. I bought them to lock in the four and a half, the 4.3, the 4.1% interest rates knowing that there will come a time, and I don't know when that time will be, when interest rates will start to come down again, and the 30-year bonds will skyrocket in comparison to the 20-year bond, in comparison to the 10-year note, the 7-year note, the 5-year note, the 2-year note, or the bills. And it's then when I will make the money. In the meantime, all right, so I'm making 4.1, 4.3 versus 4.6 or whatever. I'm not interested in that. It's a great interest rate. They're treasuries. They're safe and sound. But when interest rates start to come down, that's when you want to be long term. 
We just have to kind of figure out when that will be. It is your time right now, Miss Travis. Quizzy time. Susie, 30-year bills and bonds. Not 30-year bonds. Bills. 30-year bonds. 30-year bonds. Ready? Yeah. We're going to be over 100. I'm not holding them for 30 years. I expect within two years we will be... I was going to say to everyone, she's going to stick around and see what they're worth in 30 years. No, somewhere within a year or two, KT, we will be selling for a very handsome profit. Even if it's three years from now, we will be so happy that we did that. Okay, good. What's my quizzy, everybody? All right. It's for all of us, everyone listening. Listen up. It's not just KT. I usually get it wrong, but let's see how we do on this one. All right. Hello, Susie. I want to start a compound savings account at $2,000 a year starting this year for my seven-year-old granddaughter. I researched that if I did that for eight years starting in 2024, are you writing this all down, everybody? I'm listening. And never contributed or touched it again until she was 54. So KT, starting next year in 2024, all the way for eight years, right? So $16,000 for eight years. She's seven years old. She's going to be 14. Yeah, 15. 15 years no, old. No, she'll be. She'll be 15 years old. Right. And she's going to have $16,000 that has been compounding right. over the past number of years. All right. So here's the question. At 54, how much is she going to get? Wait. So. If she never touched it again, she never put in another penny, mm-hmm. all right? And she did not touch it till she was 54 years of age. She would have about $2.3 million with her compounding interest. This could be retirement money for her. What kind of ETF or compounding account would be best for this. Do you like this idea? So, so what's the question? What's the quizzy question? I don't know. Do I like the idea or not? No, because here's the question. Do you believe, KT, that if she put in $16,000 for over an eight-year period of time, 2000 a year, the girl's and she never 15, touched it again. When the girl's 15, she stops getting that 2000 right? a year. And she didn't touch it till she was 54. Would she, is there any way possible that she would have $2.3 million? So that's like 50 years of compounding the $16,000, compounding money. About 40 50, years, yeah. yeah. 40, 50 years. Um, would she have how much? million dollars. Well, I think she'd have close to that, but not exactly that much. Because that's a, I mean, even if it was like a 10% of compounding, which is a lot, um, I think she would have like a little less than that close though. Maybe 2 million. So what's your answer? So wait, what's the question again? Question is, do you think that's really possible 
at an interest rate, forget investments in the market, but just simply by getting an interest rate, is that possible? It is if it's compounding for such a long time. At what interest rate? Wow, a lot. A pretty high interest rate, right, Susie? All right, so Wait, wait, wait. If it's an interest, you always use like a 10% interest rate as a model. It would have to be almost 15%, I think. Ding, 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 ding. So listen to me, everybody. Leslie. Wait, but is that possible? Only if she makes approximately a 12.9 to 13% interest rate or annual average rate of return on the money. so, So, So the answer is it's possible if it was more with like 15% interest. So anyway, here's what you need to know, everybody, seriously, and especially, especially Leslie. Chances are, I'm the one who created that example. Because I was trying to get kids to understand the compounding value of an annual average rate of return. So if this is something that you would like to do for your granddaughter, it is possible but you would have to have an annual average rate of return, which means some years the money might be up 30%, some of the years the, the money might be down 50%, but over all 40 years, it averaged about 13% a year. Now, that used to be really attainable years ago because the average annual rate of return over 40 years in the stock market a while ago was about 12 or 13 or 14%. Now I think it will be a little bit harder. Just to give you an idea, you know, over 40 years, if you were just to get, let's just say 4%, all right, and let's say you put the $2,000 in every single year, and for those years, the money earned 4%. That means at the end of the time when you stop for those eight years, you would have $19,165 in that account. Then that $19,165 over the next 40 years, listen to me, everybody, if you didn't put in another penny, if it earned 4%, or it was an annual average rate of return of 4%, you'd have only $92,000. At 6%, you'd have $197,000. At 10%, you would have $867,000. At 12%, you would have about 1.7 million. And at about 13%, you would have the 2.3 million. So- You should do it, but you need to understand that to get that million dollars, it really is going to have to be invested in an exchange-traded fund like the Vanguard Total Stock Market Index Fund and the hopes that over all that time, it averages for you about 13%. So that's what you need to know, but it is not guaranteed under any level, but something will be better than nothing. Even if you locked in a 30-year treasury bond, she would be guaranteed to have $92,000. Or grandma put in $5,000 a year. 
No, no. <laughs> it's like, but just know that when you read examples like that, and I can tell you, I was the one who created that example mm -hmm. years ago, just so you know, you have to understand how it really works. And now all of you do. All right, Katie, that's it. So what are you going to do Sunday? She said to all of you, she's going to do another lesson in Maybe, 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 because you can all look it up and listen to it. You know, we'll have to see what's going to really, really happen here with the government. Are they going to shut down? Are they not? What will happen? Although it's just such a boring topic, because they go through this all Every the time. Year. You know, so there's other things that are kind of on my mind as well, you know, about some of the scare tactics that are out there about certain ETFs that invest, all kinds of things are out there right now. So I just kind of wait and see what really, really happens. And also, I'm going to remind everyone, we're in the throes here, we're in the throes of hurricane season. Yeah. And Susie and I have been glued, as we always are every autumn, to the weather and what we're seeing with these water events and rain events and water rivers and all these things that I never heard of before, it makes you really wonder what is important to prioritize and get those must-have documents in order. And your house You've in order. You've got it. Yeah, for get us, that yeah. in order. Right. For us, right, we have one hurricane that might be coming right at us. So we'll see what happens to, but we're definitely preparing for it. Yeah, if you get a best of Sunday, it means we had to get out of Dodge. <laughs> <laughs> All right, but until then, there's only one thing that we want you to say every single day, and it is today, wherever I go, I will create a more joyful, peaceful, peaceful and, and loving, loving world. world. And if you do that, you will be unstoppable. Bye-bye now. Bye. I'm unstoppable. I'm a buzzer with no brakes. I'm invincible. See, I win every single game. Mine's so powerful. I don't need batteries to play. I'm so confident. Yeah, I'm unstoppable today. Unstoppable today. Neither Susie Orman Media nor Susie Orman is acting as a certified financial planner, advisor, a certified financial analyst, an economist, CPA, accountant, or lawyer. Neither Susie Orman Media nor Susie Orman make any recommendations as to any specific securities or investments. All content contained in this podcast is for informational and general purposes only and does not constitute financial accounting or legal advice. You should consult your own tax, legal, and financial advisors regarding your particular situation. Neither Susie Orman Media nor Susie Orman accepts any responsibility for any losses which may arise from accessing or reliance on information in this podcast. And to the fullest extent permitted by law, we exclude all liability for loss, damages, direct or indirect, arising from the use of this information. The must-have documents discussed in this podcast are legal documents created by a lawyer and distributed by Hay House.